Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, I got beer all over my mic. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> <It's dark. laughs> oh in no. Shambolic. <laughs> We're in shambles, boys. Does it need like cleaning? Nah, it's fine. It's the pop filter. It's uh, I got on the pop filter. It's all good. Oh, good. That's probably what they're for. For when you pop a tinny, or unless you accidentally come on your mic. What's wrong with you? Pop. <laughs> Hello, people across the globe. You know what it is. It's the GOATS podcast. The show where we make it our mission. No, actually, it's our obligation to crown the GOATS, the greatest of all time of absolutely everything. Last week, we did a bit of a special episode, didn't we, boys? We did. Oh, yeah, we did. The variety box, the pickle yeah. mix, the uh, little little celebrations tins, little treat bag of mini GOATS or pygmy GOATS. I think we crowned them, didn't we? So... That was good fun. So today we're going to take it old school again, because we can officially say old school because it's past now, isn't it? We're going to go back to basics and we're going to be we're going to be getting into the world of inventions today. We're going to be crowning the goat invention. But before we get into that properly, how have you both been? I've been all right. Yeah, it's been a pretty uneventful weekend, really. Week. Uh, I bought a yo-yo. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if cool's the word, but it's something for sure. Um, I mean, it's a yo-yo is what it is. It's a yo-yo. But it's it's quite enjoyable. Uh, you know, it's better than, I don't know, like a, a fidget spinner or something like that. Oh, it's something 100%. to do that isn't super cringe. I also listened back to the episode that we put out, not last week, but the week before, the goat paint and decorator. And I was yeah. listening back to it. And I just, I don't know if it's just me, and obviously everyone feels like they sound like a dick when they listen back to themselves, like everyone's voice sounds different to how it does in their head or whatever. But I noticed that the more I tried to talk about the sort of world's working class heroes, the more I started to try to pull like a bit of a geezer. And it was <laughs> yeah. so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. Like there were some bits where I was like, yeah, and then he's like, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, giving it all this, and I, I just sound like such a twat. Because you're not a geezer, are you? That's the thing. No. It's cultural appropriation at that point, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm not a geezer. I'm a bit of a... We're, we're all kind of... We can't say pikeys. I'll believe that. <laughs> you, you, Mike, Michael, you're definitely a pikey, and I'm a bit of a pikey. I'm not. I'm not one of them. If I was to be... I, I would probably be culturally close to the kids sort of around the estate, the, the, the chavs, I guess. Yeah, pikeys. You're a pikey. No, because that's not what... A... Pikeys are gypsies, but also it's you. <laughs> okay that's the definition right. like if you no google worries. pikey you'd see you they did used to call me mikey the pikey so <laughs> it's not as bad as Vinny's nickname which we'll get into in a later on podcast but i'll just hint it uh which was for a very short period of time vicky middlemore <laughs> oh no we're what? not ready for that don't worry about that we'll just leave that little nugget there and uh how have you been Vinny? yeah i've been i've been very good on other than other like uh, Sebek, I've been very busy. Uh, I just came back from my trip to Holland. 
In fact, I saw my friend there. Yeah, many, many, many a weed was smoked. Many a Hotogian was drunk. What? It's a Dutch beer. It's very nice. I, I've come to the conclusion Do I don't like Heineken. Actually... Well, this is the thing. I've come to the conclusion that I think I don't like any of the Dutch beers, like Amstel, Heineken, Grosch. They all taste like shit to me. But Hertogian, that's the one. It's fantastic. If you ever find yourself in the Netherlands near an Albert Heijn, I want you to go in there. I want you to get a, a six pack of Hertogians. I want you to drink them right on the corner of the of the shop. I want you to pass out. Can I just say, <laughs> I want you to have Albert a good time. Hein is the greatest sort of like corner shop like chain ever in it like it's yeah a supermarket. like supermarket chain like co-op or whatever albert Klein is the best one in it if i'm even pronouncing that right albert is fantastic yeah although they don't sell meal deals there or anywhere in the netherlands which is pretty frightful they did when i went that was the best bit i had a i had a uh emmen title cheese wrap a coke and uh something else some bugles in a little meal deal that would have been in like 2012 or 13 maybe they abolished the uh meal deal Bring it back. Make meal deals, meal deals again. <laughs> Nationalise the meal deal. But have you got any um, mad stories then, Vinny? Go on, hit us with a good story for, so we can uh, open up this podcast. Uh, <laughs> let me let me think for a second. Um, there's a few things, I guess. Um, you know the Dutch toilets have like a shelf. Have you ever, have you ever noticed? Is that the same as the German this? thing? The little, the little look at your poo shelf. Is that what you're talking about? How was it for? Is that... It's so okay. So, so my friend, so I stay with my friend in Almere. It's like 20 minutes east of Amsterdam. And both toilets in his house weren't like toilets in the UK. They weren't just like one hole into some water and, you know, you do your business and flush. It's kind of like a plateau. And then it goes down into like uh, into a hole with water in it. But where you sit and where you shit, it just goes onto the plateau and i actually like i didn't want to shit first like in this house because i was concerned that that wasn't what you're supposed to do with them and i had to like ask him like is it okay to poo in your house like in those toilets <laughs> but yeah you, you just shit on like a platform yeah. so you can have a look so you can like see be like yeah that's a nice healthy chris brown no blood not too runny and then it, and then the water just like zhuzhes it away like scooches like it. a water slide into the big hole into the drop yeah that's mad yeah yeah that yeah. is weird that's a thing. It's bizarre. Yeah. That's a good invention as well. That's a nice little uh, little treat for the first bit of the podcast, isn't it? <laughs> You're spoiling my... Uh... <laughs> I was going to go for that, actually. Fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh. So other than the toilet, anything else? Yeah. Uh, my friend took me to a desert in the middle of the, of the forest, which is kind of weird. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Why is that there? <laughs> something about the ice age they didn't really know but apparently it's like moving like it's constantly moving over like thousands of years but yeah it's just a random desert in the middle of the forest i didn't open the picture and i just assumed you were really stoned no it was an actual desert no, i just i just assumed you'd taken a picture of like a bit of sandy waste ground in the netherlands and that was all that had happened i just was like oh vinny's gone <laughs> <laughs> no it did it was an actual desert i think wasn't it yeah it was just sand and like a couple of trees and stuff, yeah. Yeah, they call it the sand dunes. Wicked. Well, should we get into it? Yeah, I don't see why not. Let's go for it. Without inventions, human beings wouldn't have progressed very far, would they? Without the ability to invent things, we'd probably still be in caves, not shitting on little platforms, but just shitting wherever it dropped. 
They're a key part of our human history, and as Plato once said, necessity is the mother of invention. And as Andrea Pirlo once said, after the wheel, the PlayStation is the best invention of all time. <laughs> no, he brilliant didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> Andrea Pirlo, <laughs> yeah. the football player. Well, or, you know, he does. He looks a bit like a philosopher, but you could probably say he's a philosopher. But why was he having anything to do with the PlayStation? Likes to play FIFA. Right. Yeah, they're real quotes. Yeah, I, I wanted to give, you know, both sides of the story because what makes a good invention really is in the eye of the beholder. We'll get into it later, but I've got a few shit ones on a list as well. But that's not what we're here to crown. We're here to crown the best of the best. The goats of the goats. The Billy Goats Gruff. <laughs> that's over to you two, fine gentlemen. <laughs> didn't make any sense. Which one wants to go first? <laughs> well, um, I don't mind. You decide. You can go, Vinny. So... I had a good think about this over in my uh, holiday in Holland. Uh, I was originally going to do uh, the internet as my greatest invention of all time, but decided that was a bit too easy, a bit too simple. So I got a bit more creative with it. And I had a revelation, fellas. And I realized that the greatest invention of all time was, in fact, lysergic acid diethylamide. Oh, no. Otherwise known as... <laughs> no! <MSD. laughs> Why have you done that? I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> what? He's, you got Sam, come on, you got to let him argue his no, case. Oh, yeah, I suppose I do. <laughs> Remember when we designed this show, we sort of had a little th- thing about... Should we pick what we're going to do first so we all know? Nah, let's keep it authentic. Let's not that tell anybody. That's what that happens. Well, it's been great so far. So give him, give him a break. Let's hear him out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, a little history of LSD. If you're not aware, it was first synthesized in 1938 by a Swiss chemist by the name of Dr. Albert Hoffman. But its effects weren't actually found until five years later when on the 19th of April, 1943, Hoffman decided to give the substance yet another look and accidentally absorbed some of it through his skin. He basically just started tripping balls <laughs> in the first ever LSD trip ever recorded ever and asked his assistant to escort him home by bike, which was customary at the time in Basel, Switzerland, because I think due to the war. Thus, Bicycle Day was born, which is celebrated by psychedelic enthusiasts every 19th of April really? in honour of the first ever LSD trip. Have you ever celebrated? I have, yes. Hang on, the 19th of April? Yes, a day before Hitler's birthday. Yeah, yeah, so you do your LSD trip, go on a little bike ride, and then the next day you blaze up on 420. Blaze up in honour of... Uh... In honour of something they, they've <laughs> forgotten. I'll <laughs> <laughs> have I always called him Albert Hitler. What's his name again? Adolf. Oh, God. <laughs> this is not having your case for LSD being the greatest invention. Can't remember the first name of Adolf Hitler. It's nothing to do with LSD, though. It's nothing to do with it. It's got nothing to do with LSD or the week you just went getting absolutely fucking wrecked in the Netherlands. <laughs> Who's that guy? Aaron Hitler? <laughs> Who's that bugger? Different <laughs> my tongue. But yeah, uh, LSD was first used by psychotherapists to study the effects of psychosis, as at the time, they all believed LSD was kind of like a way to cause psychosis, like on demand, basically. Although nowadays, that's not believed at all, really. 
And more and more into the 1950s, LSD started being used in therapeutic settings for general therapy. It was mostly in like California, like Hollywood and stuff like that. It was like few actors and like directors and that sort of stuff, writers. And then obviously the 1960s hit and LSD started being distributed uh, in recreational settings. And it basically just jumpstarted the entire counterculture and hippie movement of the 1960s. So was it legal then? You say like distributed, it was just perfectly like... Yep. Take this. This is this is cool. Yep. I'm talking about uh America and the UK. I, I'm not too familiar with the mm. laws in every other country, but I'm mostly just talking about you know the US and the UK. But yep, it was all legal when all the hippies were doing it. Yeah, so you just go down boots. Oh, can I have I need paracetamol, toothbrush, big bottle of LSD. Well, they weren't sold at like stores, really. They were because originally they was just for like therapeutic use. It was just for like certain people who had who could get their hands on a distributor, basically. But it was free. It was free to make, free to sell, and free to take. But then the U.S. government, you know, had to ruin everyone's fun, and <laughs> they essentially outlawed it in 1968 on a federal level basically because they were scared that an entire generation of people were turning on, tuning in, and dropping out, which was apparently a terrifying thought to all those... uh... Was that the propaganda slogan, was it? That was Timothy O'Leary's slogan of the 1960s. He was a big uh, LSD advocate, and he's kind of the reason why it got illegalized in the first place, because he kind of rocked the boat a bit too much for the government's liking, essentially. Basically because, yeah, the government thought all these hippies... Well, it, the government thought an entire generation of people would just basically not... Not amount to anything, just... Just go live in the woods, basically. Like, just like, yeah, just not really do anything, like... Not really contribute to society, but just live in the woods and just smoke weed and... I don't know, produce rap records or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But why, why do you think it's the greatest invention of all time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> that's a good fucking question <laughs> that is a, need i remind you that this podcast is called goats and sort of does indicate that you will bring forward a case as to why your suggestion is the greatest of all time in in various fields yes so it is a very very good question Seb. thank you for for asking that because so far you've offered nothing <laughs> <laughs> you've done a brief history of lsd <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sweating with a kind of underlying theme of I wish it was legal. <laughs> That's all oh we've God. got. That's oh all God. we've got so far is oh. there's a thing and hey man, the government's <laughs> taking away my fun, man. Oh man, that's all we've oh. had. Well, you see the word fun, but that's not all LSD is used for, my friend. LSD is a fantastic substance for <laughs> Ooh, all right, Seb, Seb, we gotta compose ourselves. Let's hear him out. He's got he's gotta do his he's gotta present his case, doesn't he? Let's 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 be serious now. So yeah, LSD, I think, in my opinion, is the best invention of all time just because it essentially it boomed like an, an an entire generation of like music, an entire generation of like technology. It cultivated a whole ethos that to this day, like a lot of people still live by. It opened a lot of people's eyes to what 
living really can be and what it really should be at the end of the day. It honestly, I like there's been so many studies done quite recently because the DEA has actually started giving the thumbs up to people actually researching LSD once again the first time since like the 1950s but there's been loads of studies saying like how LSD and well, amongst other psychedelic drugs are um really 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 good for not only decreasing levels of anxiety in patients also decreasing levels of depression and suicidal thoughts and even as far as ridding a lot of people of addictions this is the thing about like all these drugs like lsd especially is that they literally do rid people they scrub your brain clean of addictions they reform neuropathways in your brain which are normally corrupted by say if you have an opioid addiction or a tobacco addiction or alcohol or something they essentially rewire those pathways in your brain to back to like neutral back to where they would be without those you know addictions in the first place and in fact the founder of alcoholics anonymous actually originally had lsd like take some lsd in the 12 step program really yeah because he attributed lsd to um why he got sober in the first place but obviously i think it you know lsd taking it as part of like a 12 step program i don't think it flies really especially because you know it's illegal yeah, I think he was kicked out of that because, you know, I think he was ostracized or something for it as well. But yeah, like, honestly, like, it's quite literally a wonder drug. I've got here, like, a 2014 study where some subjects received a full 200 microgram dose of LSD, whilst some others received one-tenth as much. The participants then took part in two LSD-assisted therapy sessions two to three weeks apart, subjects who took the full dose experienced reductions in anxiety averaging 20%, while those given the low dose reported becoming more anxious. When subjects taking the low dose were switched to the full dose, they too showed reduced anxiety, with the positive effects lasting for up to a whole year, just from one session. Oh, that is actually quite impressive. As well as all the uh, flying dragons and spaceships and shit, yeah. Well, that is a huge... Um, it's wrong. <laughs> There's a common belief, like in popular culture, that I think propagated by a lot of like movies and like TV shows, that if you take LSD, you'll see things that aren't actually there. But that's not entirely true. Like the most you'll see really is like you might like see you might think you see some insects on the ground or something like that, and there aren't any. You know things like the walls will be breathing and you can maybe hear like birds chirping and stuff like that. And it's, it's really, really interesting. And like scientists still don't really exactly know how LSD like works on the brain. It's uh, to get nerdy for a second. It basically like it, the LSD molecule looks very similar to a serotonin molecule which if you don't know the serotonin molecule it what humans need serotonin for things like it helps regulate appetite and mood and just general emotions but also generally just like helps you perceive things like it, it helps with like senses and like looking at things and you know hearing and smelling and all that sort of stuff but because lsd looks so similar to serotonin in your body your body thinks it is serotonin and it starts binding the lsd to the serotonin receptors which essentially means you 
instead of receiving serotonin, you receive LSD, which kind of skews everything. The best way I've heard it explained is your subconscious mind becomes your conscious mind. It makes sense, yeah. So the things in the back of your head, which you're not thinking of like directly, but the things that are kind of like mulling over in the back of your head, maybe anxieties, maybe some stress, maybe maybe trauma, something is like, you know, horrible as trauma, but that stuff comes to the forefront, which is why, you know, I don't think LSD is for everyone because if you have said trauma, you're not going to be having a good time probably because that trauma is going to come straight to the forefront. But for people who you know, in a controlled setting with like maybe a therapist or you know, an, an expert who can help these people, it's shown that it really helps them deal with these like traumas and stresses and anxieties and really gives people like a new sort of lease on life. I remember you saying that to me before, actually, that um, it's helped with like therapy because it can be hard to unlock like the root cause of people's like mental health issues if there is underlying trauma that has potentially caused it and you were saying that like the lsd brings it out in that session and deals with it and then you can go on from there can't you yeah yeah exactly it seems bad bringing your trauma up but like you said in that controlled environment it can be good to deal with stresses and anxieties and trauma and depression you need to find the root cause of it you can't just drug yourself and forget about it you know you have to deal with the root cause that's causing you to have these problems in the first place and that's exactly what lsd does it's interesting i i actually listened to a, a an episode of i don't know if you, it's like one of the biggest podcasts out there but it's a podcast called stuff you should know it's like yeah been going for years and years but they did an episode on lsd and they were very like i was shocked by how pro lsd they were but not in like and and the way that i believe they explained it and it made me understand it and realize that actually it is a force for good i i believe although i'm you know i was taking the piss earlier i do think that it is a force for good is that like i don't support the recreational use of morphine and fentanyl but if i go to the hospital i would expect to be given some if it's going to make me better do you know what i mean yeah so like your lsd is like the same sort of yeah thing. like i'm not you saying put that... it in the same category like you shouldn't be like you necessarily wouldn't agree with like the recreational use of it for the tripping out no exactly, exactly but in the like, use of medical therapy and science and treating patients then obviously it would be a useful tool yeah i mean if you look at it in the sense of like you're kind of if you're changing your neural pathways on a molecular level on a physical level not just the way that you try to think about things but like the actual neural pathways that you have in your brain that command things like addiction and depression if you are changing those physically then you are basically doing like surgery in a way it's like microscopic brain surgery and i wouldn't recommend that anyone goes home and tries to give themselves surgery <laughs> yeah. and, and, and and i mean that sincerely because there's a genuine chance that you might do it and it might be fine and like i know people who've had really positive lsd experiences i also know i won't name names because i i don't want to but i know of older family members that i've spoken to who talk about it and say that you know they had one good experience followed by three or four terrible ones that they feel that genuinely because it is like an operation it does change you change their brain in a way that they've never quite been able to unchange again and that is really scary in the same way that if you tried to do surgery on your finger yeah and then you got it wrong you could give yourself a life-changing injury and i i think the same goes for lsd i think if you were to do it in a controlled environment with a trained therapist who's going to be there and make sure that you're given 
the right amount and given the right stimulus to if that, I mean genuinely if it can change your brain chemistry and, and get rid of addiction that's incredible like that is amazing that is yeah it is definitely there's a quote in the stuff you should know episode and I can't remember which there's a musician who was a big advocate for it before it kind of got the recreational boom who talked about doing therapy LSD therapy and they said that what it allowed them to do was genuinely kind of take on the advice that people always give you so like they were saying you know I feel like the world's spinning without me or something like that and the doctor just said or their therapist said but you're in control of your own world and like that's the sort of thing that you would say to someone a thousand times but on LSD it would create that pathway it felt like they could genuinely yeah it could they could take it on board and realize that statement in a way that like you know I, I can tell you that I don't know, if someone who's had bouts of depression, people are just constantly telling you, like, oh, have you thought about, you know, just trying to be happier? And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, like, imagine if you could actually take that on board. Like, LSD, what I liken it to is it makes your brain like clay. It makes it really malleable. And that can be a bad thing if, you know, you're in the wrong setting, you're, like, wrong people and... Bad vibes. Yeah, bad vibes. And you can have a bad trip and, you know, that could, like, change you for the worse for a while. You could get, like, just more paranoid, more anxious because of that, because your brain was in that malleable state and it was, you know, not good forces were around you. But in the right hands with the right people, you could mold your brain into something way clearer, way more healthy, just way better... And I've actually experienced that for myself. After uh, a few years ago, I did LSD and it wasn't on the day I did LSD. It was the night after I was just chilling by myself, smoking a few bowls and uh, uh, watching Deus Ex Machina. If you've ever seen that movie, really fucking good movie. And I suddenly got hit with this wave of like, and this is something that I've known for a while. And I've always thought like, oh yeah, I understand this, but it really hit me for some reason out of the blue and it really stuck with me. But I suddenly realized that, you know how like your body, like I think it's every 12 years or six years, your body completely changes. Like the atoms in your body that were there six or 12 years ago, are like they're not there anymore. And it's the same thing for literally everything around you, all the objects, all the people, all the animals, everything like the sky, the ground, Everything is constantly in this constant flux of ebb and flow, this give and take of just like life, of just things, of just like molecules and atoms, what we're made out of. And that kind of made me realize that like we are literally just all in the same big bowl of soup, you know? We're all the same thing. We're this, the, the, the universe isn't billions and trillions, quadrillions of entities, it's one entity. And we all share the exact same entity. We all are part of, you know, of everything. I'm you and you and me. And I just thought that was a really, really beautiful thought. And I felt just incredible. And like, it really dawned on me that and I fully understood it. And I was like, holy shit, I thought I understood it before. But now I really do. And it was a great thought. Like, I loved it. Wow. That was very deep. I think <laughs> I th- listeners... Listen, it's all downhill from here. That's the deepest we're ever going to get. That we dug is we hit bedrock. We've we've hit as deep as possible, and it was not a bad experience. It was great. That was that was beautiful, Vinny. I'm crying. 
that was it. That was incredible. I actually was really, really. De- I, I, do you know what? I do feel slightly bad because I did zone out a little bit because I was trying to find that quote where Super Hands tells Big Sue. <laughs> <laughs> you know where he's like, "There's a good way or a bad way," and the bad, and he's like, "I don't want to tell you about the bad way because it's probably not good for you right now, but it's fucking awful." Fucking horrible, fucking horrible, yeah, yeah. That's it. I can't remember the quote. I was trying to look at it, I couldn't find it, and then I zoned back in, and Vinny was like getting real deep, and I was like, "Oh shit, I've missed something." No, that was great, Vinny. But I, I wanted to backtrack slightly as well because, firstly, you're clawing it back. It was. I'm not gonna lie. I had no idea where you were going with this LSD thing. And also, it felt like for the first 10 minutes, you didn't know either. <laughs> yeah. I had absolutely no idea where you going. Now you're selling me. Now I get it. But you said as well that it did a lot in the 60s for like music and movement and culture and stuff like that. Expand. Like what What? 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 Like, what you're saying, like musicians that came out and like hippie culture inspired what like peaceful protests and all this stuff. Like expand on that because I'm interested in it. I don't think it's much of a secret that a lot of the bands of the 60s made their best stuff in like the later 60s and like the early 70s when psychedelic usage was definitely on the table. A bit like the Beatles when um, when Paul McCartney was replaced by Billy Shears. Yeah, th- they did their best <laughs> stuff. Billy Shears loved acid, as we all know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to get on topic, the 60s. A lot of just like the best music, like a lot of people will say, like a lot of classic rock heads, people who are really into their rock music will say that a lot of the best music came in the later part of the 60s. And it's no secret that it's because of psychedelic usage with all these musicians. Like the best Beatles work did come in the latter half. The best Beach Boys work came in the latter half when they stopped being just a Surf rock, come on down to the beach with your best girl in your car and let's have a good time. Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. That's another great example. Yeah. Uh, Although the original, one of the original singers of Pink Floyd, Barrett, did take too much LSD and develop schizophrenia and had to leave the band. Yeah. He never came back, did he? That's what Shine On You Crazy Diamond is. Yeah. 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 Um, But again, that's, that's another case of he probably shouldn't have been doing it if he was inclined to schizophrenia too much of anything is a bad thing or shouldn't have been doing it on his own that's the other thing you know do it with a professional i feel almost he shouldn't have been doing it full stop because yes if like for example you have a family member who has schizophrenia like you probably should not do any psychedelics because chances are you might bring it on earlier on but yeah also just lots of psychedelic art which i think is still pretty fucking groovy to this day Michelangelo would be proud. That painter slash decorator would be proud, yeah. What about like culture? Like I was saying like peaceful protest. I mean, I, I'm I'm like assuming here, I'm like sort of asking you the question because I don't really know. But like I, I'm assuming like peaceful protest, um, like thinking more about the environment and nature and stuff like that. In Tie-dye. my head all seems yeah, like that all seems connected Hummus. to hippie culture and stuff. Is that fair? Hummus, <laughs> Hummus. <laughs> it's just from like the Middle East, isn't it? Vegans. <laughs> White men with dreads. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but it is that is People what I'm saying. The bongos. I love the bongos. <laughs> well, everyone loves the bongos. No. Ignore what Seb's talking about. He's talking nonsense. What I'm talking about, is that connected to LSD? Like that whole movement? Do you think that's all inspired from that? And and is that a good thing? 100%. And yes, I do think it's a good thing. So you're saying that, that to sort of close this out, that LSD has invented that and all the good that it's done for the world? Yeah, I think that's boomed a whole entire culture. Like I think hippie culture 
it's pretty cool, honestly. I think it's nice for people to care about, you know, the environment and care about animals and shit like that. It's good, you know. <laughs> we can't all be Wall Street wankers, you know, tossing <laughs> off 30 mil a day. I don't fucking know what they do, but snorting coke up their ass. <laughs> The world would not, you know, shit would crumble if we would all The world is a much grass. better place. No matter how much people hate on um, smelly hippies, the world would be a much worse place without them. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. It'd probably smell better, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. But also, for me, the bit that got me was that you almost sort of suggesting as well that it is an amazing invention that because of the recreational use, which I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying it's a bit dangerous, but you do you. That because of the US ban and the probably following UK ban, I don't know which came first, that it's been underutilized and well, not utilized at all in a medical sense where it almost certainly could do an amazing lot of good. It's like having the cure to depression and anxiety and gambling disorders and addiction, but we can't use it. So it's like this amazing invention that can't be used or should be used yeah it's criminal that they haven't done more research into it and haven't you know given it the amount of time and attention that i think it requires because honestly i do believe it is a wonder drug and i really think it can help a hell of a lot of people especially in a time like this when you know mental health issues are on the rise and addictions are on the rise you know there's too many stimuli you know you have your phone and you have like your laptop you have the tv you have it's fucking it's a lot you know and i think a lot of people need to be reminded that there's a world out there and i think lsd really helps with that great i think that's yeah you have turned it around and saved it definitely Vinny, because at the beginning there was no case for lsd being the greatest <laughs> anything ever the way you were talking about it. it was the ramblings of a stoner let me say a nutter <laughs> yeah you were just going on i don't know what you were talking about but i suppose like lsd it opened your mind yeah you reopened your mind and rejigged your neurological pathways there and brought it back and there is a case to ponder there well done could i also uh i've got two more notes i couldn't squeeze in naturally i'm just going to say them unnaturally so steve jobs co-founder and former ceo of apple incorporated said taking lsd was a profound experience and one of the most important things in my life well and also carrie mulis is reported to credit LSD with helping him develop DNA amplification technology, for which he received the Nobel Prize. Fair enough to that fella, but Steve Jobs. I'm not having the Steve Jobs one. I, I can't. I, I, it's a nice segue you mentioned Steve Jobs, actually. Well done, Vinny. That was, yeah, that was really good. You've done your case for LSD very well there. But I will move us on into the middle section here where I wanted to take a little bit different, a little bit like you said, the ebb and flow of the universe. I want to ebb and flow this episode, a little bit of yin and yang. We always talk about the best of the best, but I want to talk about the worst of the worst because you guys sort of know this. I love a bit of a moan and a bit of a rant, a bit, only a bit. Uh-oh. So I thought I would pick some worst inventions of all time just so I can have a little bit of a dig because that's what I like to do. And Steve Jobs, actually, I nearly wrote down Apple on here, even though I am an iPhone user because I've been editing some of these episodes on a Mac, which I'm not used to, and they're completely stupid for the sake of being different and stupid. Like the little command button that just does exist just to make your life more difficult. The fact that all the little, the cross and the minimizers on the left-hand side of the screen, not the right-hand side, it just winds me up. So Steve Jobs can sit on one. I'm not having that. Sorry, Apple users, do one. 
I mean, he also did like sort of ride on the backs of Chinese slaves, but we'll move on from that as well. <laughs> so sorry, Vinny, you can't have Steve Jobs in that argument, but you can have the other geezer. Well done. I've got a little list of some, I've got a couple on here of some absolutely awful inventions. And I don't know if you guys can think of any while I'm rattling through these as well. But a couple on here, I've got Baby Cage. This was sort of back in the day. I don't know when it was. I didn't really look. It was like black and white. So whenever that was. Um, <laughs> <basically>. What? <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember if it was like the 60s or the 30s. It was like back then. You know what I mean? So right, what was it? But baby Cage was basically. It was like a little cage. It's what it says on the tin. You hang this cage out your window so the baby gets fresh air and you put them in there and then you just close the window. And then every, like, when you want to feed them and actually open the window up, is a bit of food, close it down. That was a real thing. Really sold. Did any babies fall out windows? You were I didn't read about any. I didn't go that deep, but I just, I saw baby cage and was like, my God, I can't believe that. There was a couple I saw off Dragon's Den. One of these is great. <laughs> it's called Throx, which is socks, but you get three <laughs> in a pack. <laughs> Throcks. And, um, and, um, and what's the third one for? So, so, so I'll tell you what the third one's really for, then I'll tell you what I think it was for. It was for, basically, the argument was, well, you get a pair of socks, you always lose one, don't you? So you got a spare. Genius. <laughs> Genius. But I, I think he just wanted to put it on his knob. That's what I think. He, I think he wanted to match his knob with his feet, to be honest. There is time for Willy time with Seb. Have any yeah. of you... Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. All right, okay. We got to do the... It's Willy time with Seb. Whoa, 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 whoa. Have any... You know there's that, like, in pop culture, people always talk about using a sock to have a wank? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done that? No. No. No, I mean, either. It's weird. I've, I'm very <laughs> abrasive. Yeah, just use some tissues and toilet paper. That shit's cheap as fuck. Yeah, like, what are you doing? Yeah, just... Yeah. But I think it's America... Well, this Throx guy was American, so he probably... He's the guy to ask. I think that's where it came from, honestly. I don't buy the whole, well, you lose one business. Well, you lose one if you spunk it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I've got one that... I don't know if I'd call it, like... It's not funny. It's just really, really bad. And it probably is the worst invention ever, to be honest. I can't remember the name of it, but it was the guy who invented a type of car oil which basically used lead and because of him they ended up dumping a shit ton of lead into our atmosphere and causing a lot more people to have a lot more lead in their blood which is really really bad and also the ozone layer got really fucked by that did they know that at the time though because i saw another on these lists when i was researching it was like asbestos worst invention ever and i was like well obviously with hindsight but at the time they sort of like didn't really know did they do you know i mean at the time it was like great at the time he did know but it was a way of saving money well asshole then yep. yeah and he actually died from lead poisoning oh screw him then come up and see yeah another one i've got on here which Sheb will disagree with but he's an idiot is those stupid kanye west like slick glasses oh they are stupid. They're not cool. You shutter don't glasses, cool wearing shutter them. shades. They are ridiculous. What is the point of that? They were big for like one year in like 2008 or something. I know. Seb had a pair and he wore them all the time. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. I've never owned a pair, you piece of shit. What? <laughs> I've never owned a pair of them stupid glasses. I can imagine you owning a pair. Do you think they're stupid too? I swear down you had one and you thought they were wicked. I... I... <sighs> Me and you, mate. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Who am I thinking of then? Some other weird, needy kid. Ah, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I am, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Seb. I'm glad you agree, but because they are stupid, aren't they? They, they are, are one yeah. of the most stupid, ridiculous things I've ever, ever invented. Why? You just can't see it outside of them. Like, as soon as you put them on, you just can't see shit. Like, it's not good. It's a typical Kanye thing to invent, isn't it? Did he invent them? No, but he he sort of popularized them, didn't he? So yeah, I just wanted to get sort of a few of those off my chest. Like I said, I like to have a little bit of moan, so I feel a little bit better now de- debating some of the worst. Um, I don't want to change the, the the show. I do. I love goats. I, I think it's great to talk about the best, but I think occasionally we do need to have a little bit of a rant off our chest. It, it really helps me breathe. It really makes me feel a bit better, as you guys know. It's my. It's sort of my passion in life is having a bit of a moan. So, um, Sebi, it's it's over to you, mate. Uh, you need to hit us with your with your greatest invention of all time. Yes. Obviously, this is a biggie, and I feel like we've all got in the habit of, and I'm just as guilty, we always start our little lectures. I does not really a lecture, but our little presentation. presentation. Presentations by saying we had a big old think, and I had a big old think. I had a big old think about what invention had had the biggest impact on humanity and just on me personally. And obviously, the first thing that springs to mind when you think about big inventions is the wheel. You know, fire, fire, you know, fire, the wheel, crack, crack, fire, the wheel and crack the dark triad. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought like, you know, the first caveman who like rolled something on a log invented the wheel, didn't he really? They just sort of like, I, I understand it's a big deal, but maybe I'm understanding it, whatever. And then I thought maybe the pill, like the birth control pill. Right. Yeah. But then I thought, you know, that kind of just solved a problem. A bit like the bottled water, it sort of created a problem because, you know, the pull-out method, we don't even know who invented that. Probably some caveman. <laughs> and that's always been fine. <laughs> no, 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 it hasn't. No, just I Kids, kids, don't, don't do LSD trips and don't do use the pull-out method. I just imagine some caveman being like, I swear he tried to pull out, but you're just so pretty, he lose control. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try better next time, he swear. And then I thought, what about the computer? Obviously, that's a big deal. And yeah. You can't get bigger than that. And then I realised if I did that, I could go on my big rant about how the British government did Alan Turing dirty, and they're a bunch of shameless scumbags. Yeah, but then I realised I'd already done that in episode yeah, three. <laughs> yeah, I've already done um, that. Yeah, I, yeah. I just get really wound off by that. It really, I know. I've, I've heard your Alan Turin rant a few times. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and then the answer hit me like a train. Like it just—it was so obvious. Right. What is the one invention? I'm going to ask you. This is not a rhetorical question. Okay. What is the one invention that every other invention is held against? Uh the lighter. No. Benny? The wheels the what sprung to mind, to be honest. You're going to kick yourself, boys. Go. Well, it might be the greatest, but it's it's only the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, fucker. you you little fucker. You've got a set. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've just fell for that. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah, I'm really doing it. So, bread. <laughs> Oh my god. It's been a wrap. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh god. The greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh my I can't believe we're here. 
<laughs> it's only episode six. I can't believe we're here already. <laughs> We've got a crown of sliced bread as the greatest. Oh, God. This is the last episode. So, <laughs> so bread has been around for about 30,000 years. That's a long time. It's a long time. Now, here's something I didn't know. I'm already hitting you with the hard facts here. Although we humans, aka Homo sapiens, have been around for about, we like to say that we've been around for about 10 times that. So if you ask, if you Google it, it will say about 300,000 years. However, that's actually a little bit, not a lie, but it's not strictly true. So those Homo sapiens 300,000 years ago would not have been exactly the same as we are. They wouldn't have been what's known as like a modern Homo sapiens. So they would have had the same size-ish brains, maybe even a bit bigger, but less dense. And they would have been genetically almost identical. But they are Homo sapiens, but they're not like exactly as we are today. Right. And the ones that are exactly the same as us have only been around for about 100,000 years. Still a really long time. Don't get me wrong. But that means that bread has been around about a third of modern humanity. Now, there's basically two big moments in bread. There's actually three, <laughs> but the third one comes after sliced bread. And I don't in, want to go in into that. bread history. Yeah. So there's three big moments in bread history. The third one doesn't really relate to my argument. There's two big moments we need to worry about in the history of bread. Okay. The first big moment in bread was the transition from hunter-gatherers to farmers, which happened about 15,000 years ago. So that's when we as humans stopped just going from place to place, roaming the land on like a cycle, just finding the next place to gather resources, use up the local resources, hunt all the wildlife, eat all the crops until there's not much left, and then move on. When we went from that to staying in the same place, and cultivating food and animals and crops to stay in the same place and live off the land in that sense. And once we did that, once we started staying in the same spot rather than wandering around, we suddenly had an abundance of grain and cereals, which is like not cereals as in like breakfast cereals, but cereals as in the grain, like wheat that makes bread. And this meant that rather than just the occasional flurry of like wheat when we bumped into some on our travels, suddenly we could just keep making it. And that made we could really up our bread game. Because obviously, there's no point investing a lot of time into something that you're only going to do once or twice a year at best, when Ugg finds that one plant that you can crush and make water flour. For, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could just constantly keep making bread then. Exactly. So then you may as well invest some time into it. So something that I didn't really know is that the yeast fungus goes hand in hand with cereals like wheat. So even if you don't have any yeast of your own, if you find wild wheat, grind it up into flour, pour water on it and let it sit, it will naturally rise in the same way that it would if you put yeast in it, because it already has a small amount of yeast in there naturally. Right. I didn't realize that. Okay. So that process is called leavening because you leave it and it grows. Leave it, yeah. Now, about 5,000 years ago, the Egyptians started adding their own salt and their own yeast, which are the two things that you need to make bread rice, like, properly, properly. And it's basically stayed the same since then. Like, I mean that, for 5,000 years, bread just did its own thing. Right, okay. Didn't change. Yeah. And then about 4,000 
950 years later. So when is this? 1950? About 1912 is when it's supposed to be. I don't know if I've done my maths quite right. A bloke called Otto Rowedder turns up and he genuinely makes the first big fleet forward for bread in, depending on which way you look at it, five to 10,000 years. Yeah. Madness. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Otto Rodweller, he was a jeweler, he was a watchmaker, but he was so much more than that. <laughs> he was a man with a dream. <laughs> oh, oh, His God. dream was of pre-sliced, pre-packaged bread. And he was so convinced that he could pull off this outrageous feat and change bread as he knew it and as we knew it, that he sold his jewellery store and spent it all on creating his wondrous bread slicing machine. The knife. No. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Not> you. <laughs> In 1917, disaster strikes, as it does to all great inventors. You know, what are we without struggle? Right. Who I said believe- that? David Beckham. Know. David Beckham. <laughs> did he really? <laughs> of course he fucking didn't. <laughs> In 1917, the factory that he was building his bread slicing machine burnt down and his prototype was lost. They always burn down. Why did it burn down? It's always like, a, oh, it burnt down. I bet it was an insurance job. It was not an insurance shop. There was just a lot of fires back then. Yeah, well, yeah. There was a lot of dodgy insurance companies as well, I bet. Well, yeah. But anyway, did he give up? Do you think he gave up? Uh, I think you're going to say he did. And you're another right. fella came in and did you're it, yeah. Right. He, did, he did give up. No, he fucking didn't. He oh. didn't give up. Oh, I was just thinking because I haven't heard the name Mr. Hovis yet. So Your Hovis isn't... A, he's just a fucking charlatan. Oh, okay. So... In 1927, Otto climbs back up the mountain, metaphorically, and he created the machine of his dreams that could not only slice the bread, but package it all automatedly, all automatically. Is that how you say that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, automatically. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, that's good. So he patents his invention. He sells one to his mate, a baker called Frank Bench who installs this wondrous machine at the Chillicoth Baking Company in Missouri. And on the 7th of July, 1928, they sell the first ever loaf of pre-sliced, pre-packaged bread. Wow. Mental. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Were the public ready for sliced bread? Were they? I bet they weren't. I bet they hated it. Well, a local news article had this to say on the 6th of July. So they literally, the press were waiting for this first sliced bread, right? They'd written an article a day before and they had this to say, while the typical housewife might find sliced bread, quote, startling, 
at first. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, I don't need to cut it. Oh, my God. She would soon feel, and this is a direct quote, a thrill of pleasure when she sees a loaf of this bread with each slice the exact counterpart of its fellows. So neat and precise are the slices, and so definitely better than anyone could possibly slice by hand with a bread knife, that one realises instantly, here is a refinement that will receive a hearty and permanent welcome. And you know what? They were right. By 1933, five years later, 80% of all of the bread sold in the US was pre-sliced. Wow. Incredible. In fact, it was such a big deal that in January 1943, a decade later, the US government, a bit like LSD actually, ordered a ban on pre-sliced bread. What? Really? Yeah, because they felt it needed more packaging than an unsliced loaf. It was part of the war effort, right? And they thought, we'll cut down on packaging. But there was such a huge public outcry, including from the New York Times, which published a letter from a housewife who claimed that without pre-sliced bread, she would have to cut 22 slices a day, that in March, the same year, the ban was rescinded. They backed down. Wow, they put it out pretty quick. Since then, pre-sliced bread has dominated shelves all over the US and the UK and pretty much the whole world. And with this invention, do you know what also skyrocketed? Um margarine not margarine toasters because suddenly oh, you could say the exact size that it was going to be so what so wow. so yeah so toasters were invented before sliced bread yes so do you think there was just like loads of it sounds misogynistic but it's not because it was sign of the times on it housewives chopping up huge massive slices of bread and trying to shove it and like oh it's too fucking big for the toaster i'll do it again and just wasting loads yeah 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 honestly this news article people are going wild they're like oh i can't believe i'm gonna waste so much less bread bloody bloody it's incredible right now this invention has literally changed the world like everywhere has sliced bread japan has sliced bread. <laughs> India has sliced bread. The UK has sliced bread. The US has yeah. sliced bread. Yeah. Right. We haven't got time to go for every country, but yeah, I I, I get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a list right yeah, here. Dude, 25 minutes of Stoner Boy going on about LSD. You can listen to my fucking bread oh, list. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> Keep going. Farmer has sliced bread. <laughs> Fiji sliced bread. Now, here's a stat for you, right? This is how much it's changed the world. Since the invention of sliced bread, eight in ten Brits eat toast for breakfast. Now, I think I've made my point. What was the stat before then? I don't know. Well, I don't it was know. eight out of ten. Um, I realised that <laughs> eight out of ten people have sliced bread toast for breakfast now. I don't know what the stat was before. How many of those eight out of ten have prepackaged sliced bread? I don't fucking know. Right? <laughs> just fuck off. <laughs> right. I think I've made my point mm. with some time to spare. Mm. Sliced bread is the goat invention. It changed bread. It changed breakfast. It changed the world. And so with a bit of my spare time, I would like to ask you some bread-based questions. Oh, God, we've got a bread <laughs> quiz. Let's do the jingle. Vinny, give me a beat. It's bread quiz. 
Why is your voice the same for every single one? It's the same <laughs> as Willie Time with Seb. Oh, do, uh, okay, we'll do a different one. Vinny, give me a jingle. But give me a beat. It's a bread quiz. I like it. Firstly, this is one that I'm expecting you to get, Michael. Which Manchester United defender got rinsed online when he posted a picture of a plate of toast his partner had made for him that was burnt to a crisp? <laughs> what a question. Uh, Harry Maguire. No, it's Marcus Rojo. Wow. Look it up. <laughs> Type in right now, Marcus Rojo toast. <laughs> you literally just asked me a question. Think of a person. <laughs> no, because it's, it's iconic. It's a moment in pop I've never culture. heard of that. I've never heard of that. I've never even heard of Marcus oh Rojo. Hang on, hang on. I typed in Marcus Rojo, which is a football player that I do know quite well. And the first thing that comes up isn't his Wikipedia page or his FIFA rating or anything like that. The first, the very first thing that comes up is actually Marcus Rojo toast. That's <laughs> <laughs> because he's not known for anything else. I've never heard of this fella. <laughs> Look at the study at the time. <laughs> I'm looking this up as well. It's not even any butter on it. <laughs> it's just... What's she got out? She's got like a tub of oregano in her hand as well. <laughs> oh, it's so burnt. It's just dry, burnt toast. <laughs> I actually don't know where he's from. Argentina or Uruguay? Uh, Argentina. Uh, you know, I think part of it was just, just a picture he put on his Instagram to try and like sort of get a bit of cultural like oh look i'm having toast like you guys do but yeah no um, idea what toast was but he got absolutely fucking wrecked for it i mean that's me assuming that argentina isn't on the list of countries that have toast <laughs> <laughs> we don't know to be fair sir we didn't get we didn't let you finish the whole list so no, fair didn't. enough fair enough so on the back of this incident this international incident the market research company YouGov conducted market research on a how people like their toast. That was very boring. It was just like how we all like our toast, golden brown, move on. But they also found out the UK's top toast toppings. Now, can you... Is this the next question? What is the top toast yeah. toppings? Okay. What are what they? Uh, how, butter, ma- how many are Nutella, they? We'll, we'll go through. Jam, we'll... Butter. Right, you can't just... So, right, right, slow down. We'll go through like hot potato. I'll do one, you do one. How many are there to get? You can get... I've done the top five. Okay. Butter. That's number one. Marmite. That was number seven, I remember, but it's not on my answers. Jam. That is number three. Marmalade. That's number four. Marmalade, fucking number four. Uh, Peanut butter. No. Nutella. That, right, here's a... I put this at the bottom because it shocked me so much. More people eat pate on toast regularly than have Nutella on toast. What's wrong with people? So what is pate in the top five? No, pate is like number okay. So, so we've only got three so far. Uh, honey, no. Uh, one of them is a bit of a curve. Avocado, not avocado. No, more toast. <laughs> <laughs> Pasta, bacon. No, you're going to kick his cheese. Cheese is number two. Oh yeah, cheese on toast. Yeah, got you. You got me there, Seb. And then the last one. Drop me to just give it to you. Yeah, give it us. Yep. It's margarine slash spread. That's the same I as margarine. No, it's not. But did you? Sorry, Vinny. If you did say that, you can have a <laughs> listeners that is at home. The same, if isn't you it? did say margarine, send us a text. Yeah, listeners at home. Yeah, message in goats. Well, that, yeah, but hang on, hang on. Whatever. They've got butter and margarine different. Separate. Yeah, they're different things. Butter is made from churned milk. Margarine is spread made from vegetable. Fat. Oh yeah, but they're basically the same, aren't they? Well, no, they're different. That's like well... saying jam and marmalade are the same thing. One's vegan, one isn't. Yeah. Ah. Uh... 
you fucking vegans. Bloody snowflakes. You'll eat your fucking meat and you'll like it. Back in my day, my wife would cut toast with bare hands <laughs> and she'd rub her own butter on it from her tits. <laughs> she'd kill a lamb from the farm and spread it over the butter. Oh, wow. What's the next question? No, that was it. Oh, you're a whore. <laughs> Can I just say that was the best? bread time with Seb moment we've had on the podcast yeah, yet. I appreciate Absolutely. that. We've yeah. hit a high there. Wow. Yeah, so just to summarise, obviously, bread, massive part of humankind, it's fueled nations, got us to where we need to be, and then obviously, there's only one thing better than bread, and that's pre-sliced bread. And, you know, I just think it all comes down to the idea that LSD might be one of the greatest things. It could even be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Can I just say, I can't believe I'm in this position where I've got to choose between LSD and sliced fucking bread. I, 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 I don't know what to say. If you are still listening at this point, please send us a message. Please help me and give me some sympathy for this decision that I'm about to make. Now you know how I felt at the end of video games. Yeah, well, that was easy. Well, both were actually valid. Yeah, answers. Yeah, this episode. No, no, LSD, maybe not, but sliced bread. Okay, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I'm debating whether or not to cram the fucking shutter glasses. Let's break this down. So, we've got LSD. It is being held up by you, Vinny, as the greatest invention of all time for its medicinal properties in curing addiction mental health and starting a hippie culture which has had a knock-on effect throughout history that is that's the argument for lsd correct revolutionary invention that can save thousands if not millions of lives yes yeah that is correct and then sev the crux of your argument in that sliced bread is the greatest invention of all time is the same best thing since sliced bread is that true no (laughs) (laughs) no the the, the crux of it is that bread has been a key staple in human evolution all the way back thirty thousand years ago and fifteen thousand years ago when we changed from hunter gatherer to farmer and we started creating bread and living off bread and then in 1912 mr hovis or not mr hovis whatever the fellow was called made the machine to cut the sliced bread and then he burnt his warehouse down and using the insurance money he made a better machine and sold that to his mate they made sliced bread bang everybody loved it eight out of ten people eat it more people have have pate on toast than they do nutella best thing since sliced bread is the greatest invention of all time that that's that's where we're at oh my god this is the hardest one yeah this honestly i don't know what to do i don't know what to do Because on the one hand, you've got a chemical which gets a bad rap, but actually has like incredible properties to help potentially millions of people. And those properties are just sort of like completely untapped by regulation and like public opinion on that. It's really bad. And on the other hand, you've literally got just bread, sliced bread, which sounds like nothing, but everybody buys bread every single day. It's like the thing. Right, just to, I know I always do this. I take up a lot of airtime 
talking, but it is a podcast. I want you to just close your eyes. Right. And in your mind, walk into your local Tesco's or even that weird gammy little spa at the bottom of the road. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close your eyes and look at the bread shelf in your mind. Yeah. And tell me how much of that bread is pre-sliced. I think all of it is. <laughs> exactly. It changed the world. We've never gone back. There's the world pre-sliced bread and the world post-sliced bread. Instant change. Yeah. You could say the same about the 60s, I think. Right. I've made my decision. It's done. Right. Okay, I'm excited. Okay. Here we go. I am going to decide, based on the impact that this product could potentially have... Oh, you fucker. (laughs) That... This is mental. That LSD is the greatest thing since sliced bread and is the greatest invention of all time. That's right. Good decision. Because I oh, I like sliced bread, obviously, and it is a great invention, but I feel like it's come as far as it can go and LSD has more to go. It can fly higher. Yet to hit its stride. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it can keep going. It can be more than what it is already and i think it's got potential to go even further and it will be reinvented and reinvented and reinvented but sliced bread will just be sliced bread forever do you know what i feel like i feel like marcus rojo i tried to connect and i just feel like if i pick something which 80 percent of the population eat and it's just not good enough for you i'm sorry seb I'm sorry, but you know that this is the nature of these things. You try your best, and you don't succeed. And you are what you want, but not what you need. (laughs) (laughs) You've had to break into song. (laughs) But I will try, I, I, to fix you. Brilliant. That was lovely, Seb. Thank you, Seb. Thank you, Seb. But there we are. We've done it. We've made it through that one. Like I said, LSD now is going to be classed as the greatest invention of all time forever by everybody in the world ever, which is an incredible feat. To be honest, Vinny, I didn't think that you would make it that far with your argument on the first sort of 10 minutes of your presentation. It was diabolical. Yeah, neither. But um, you did actually swing me and it's now going in the goat pen. Charlie Sheen's going to be disappointed that he's not in there now, but I'm sure OJ will be buzzing. I know Billy Shears is absolutely buzzing, but they're probably getting quite hungry about that bread, to be honest. I feel a bit bad now, but um, there we are. Next week, boys, we've got an exciting one. We are going to be going through the greatest magician of all time. Oh, yeah. I'm taking on you, Seb. It's going to be a great episode. Little insight. I love magic. I absolutely love it. I wanted to be a magician when I was younger. Genuinely, that's not a joke. That's a serious thing. I was well into it, wasn't I, Vinny? Yes. Yeah, it's going to be a really good one. But actually, before we leave you, the Telemate Challenge. That's been going very well, hasn't it, Seb? We've got a few shout-outs to give to a few of our lovely listeners that have been sending us in the Telemate Challenge. Before we go for the shout-outs, if you haven't done the Telemate Challenge already, get on it. If you've already done it, feel free to do it again. Keep telling everybody. The more people you tell, the better this is going to get. It will be even better than sliced bread. So here we go. Do you want to go through the through a couple, Seb? So the Telemate Challenge, for those of you who haven't listened to this all the way through previously is a challenge in which if you take a screenshot of you telling a mate about goats, the greatest podcast of all time, where we crown the goats, and you send it in via Instagram, the underscore goats underscore pod, or 
to our email at thegoatspod at gmail.com. If you send it there, we'll shout you out of the show. And if you have a little funny little quip in there, we'll read out your funny little quip. So Hannah Stubbs, she sent it to her sister, I believe. I say I believe, I know, because I know both of them. And she just shared the link. So well done. I give you an A for effort. You didn't write a witty thing, but you don't have to. You know, just thank you for doing that. I've got one here from Nathan Weber, who has sent the podcast to Dom. He says, this is Seb, Vinny and Michael chatting absolute shite about random shit. Well, fair enough. Nail on the head. Yeah, that is entirely true. We also got one from Charlie Thomas, who we know. He wrote, Oi, lizard, have a listen to these lads. I know two of them, and it's quite funny, mate. You can't sell it better than that either. Thank you very much, Charlie Thomas. And we also got one. Now, Christopher, Christopher Orr, he he actually lives in the same house as me. And I've got to say, he has been repping the brand. He has been shouting us out. Although, as Michael pointed out, he did say so proud of Sabet Lark. Didn't tag the rest of you. Very disappointed. I thought we were mates. He also tried to mug me off because he sent me on WhatsApp my own podcast and then screenshotted it and sent it to the show. Yeah. So, unlike Hannah Stubbs, what's the lowest grade? You get a U for effort. We're not going to grade that one. Try again next time. Yeah, I think that's all the, the shout-outs we've got, unless you've got any more. Um, let me just check. No, I think that's all of them. Yeah, but... Thank you very much for supporting the show. Like I said, if you laugh at this podcast, if you enjoy it, if you're still listening now, just tell one person. If everybody tells one person, we'll get there in the end and this will definitely be the greatest podcast of all time. We promise you that now. Anyone got anything else? Nope, not from me, Vinny. Nope, not from me. All right then. Well, I guess we'll say goodbye. See you next week. See ya. Bye.